Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that time of worship together. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, if you have a Bible app on your phone, you can pull that out. We're in the book of Luke, the first chapter of Luke. So right in the very beginning of Luke's gospel, second Matthew, Mark, Luke, third, um, third book in the New Testament. I was thinking this week about us humans, and we are strange little creatures, aren't we? Like we are such a crazy mix of paradox, contradictions, such bundles of things that don't make sense on the surface. On the one hand, we are made of dust, made of dirt. God formed us from the earth, and yet he breathed the very breath of God into us. So we are beloved dust. It is a oxymoron. We can love so deeply, and yet we often find that the people that we love the most are actually the people that we hurt the most, right? It's such a contradiction. We say that we love God, and then we find ourselves sinning against God, that Romans 7 challenge. That's absurd. We have goals and aspirations that are pure and noble, and yet we get tripped up along the way by our own weaknesses and our own lack of self-control. We are such illogical creatures, such inconsistent and enigmatic creations. And when it comes to joy, we face that same irony, that same paradox. The angels come and announce that that Jesus is coming to earth, and this is good news of great joy which will be for all people. And yet, like the terrified shepherds, we struggle with fear and doubt over the reality of God with us. When Jesus comes, won't he just expose me for the fraud that I am? I'm a little afraid of that. When I started to prepare this sermon earlier in the week, I was thinking I was going to preach on the book of James. So I was in James chapter 1, and it starts out by saying, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Like, consider it joy when things go bad. And I'm going, that's crazy. Life gets hard, and we're supposed to rejoice in it? That's, that's a contradiction in our minds. It's an impossibility. How are we supposed to do that? We understand happiness, right? (laughs) Happiness is that little rush of dopamine that our little addicted brains create whenever we're doing something that we like to do, like eating Ukrainian sausage. Ukrainian sausage, Lorna. Or or maybe getting hugged by someone we love. Or, Or maybe being complimented by someone. Or maybe all three, hugging someone while they're complimenting you while you're eating Ukrainian sausage. I don't I don't know. Happiness though. That's my moment of zen. That's my happiness. Happiness is always connected to our circumstances, to the things that are going on outside of us. And when our circumstances are enjoyable to us, then we're happy. Joy is different. Joy is the ability to find faith and hope and love and peace and all those great emotions, to to find them, particularly when our circumstances are not enjoyable to us, when we're struggling, when we're hurting. And that means the joy in our lives is often a much more difficult thing to achieve. This morning our series is called Second Chance Christmas. And our topic is second chance at joy. 
For those of you that follow Advent calendars, you're kind of going to yourself, wait a sec, it's the second Sunday of Advent. It's supposed to be the Sunday of peace. And I, I don't know how it happened, but God said he wanted me to speak about joy this week, and Michael's going to be talking to you about peace next week, Michael. So I just want to take a little bit of a moment this morning, the second Sunday of Advent, a week ahead of time, to talk to you about joy and to just draw your attention to one very, very familiar passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 1, starting at about verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now she's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who's a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tries to think what the angel could possibly mean. This poor young girl has not even found out about the pregnancy that she's going to be having, and she's already confused and disturbed. This angel shows up out of nowhere, and you would think that an, an angel appearing would spark joy in Mary. How blessed I am that an angel... No, it doesn't. She's upset. The opposite of joy, and you and I kind of get the same way sometimes, don't we? I mean, God showing up in our lives is inconvenient and scary. Sometimes, if we're honest, we, we just prefer it if God would just leave us alone. Like, God, thank you for the salvation and the forgiveness that you gave to me in my past. I'm glad to have that. And, and thank you so much for the, for the joy and, and, and the beauty that you have future for me in heaven. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, but everything in between, Lord, well, I think I'll take it from here, okay? I've got it under control. I'll take care of everything in between, Lord. I don't really need you showing up in my life. And, and messing with things, okay? Don't be afraid, Mary. Verse 30, the angel says, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asks the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. <laughs> the angel is looking at the big scope of human history, right? Looking from start to finish, the sweep of all of human history culminated in the incarnation of God. The angel is looking at the big picture, things that God has been planning since day one. And Mary... <laughs> She's locked in the here and now. She's looking at something else entirely, 16 and pregnant. How can this be? Unwed and expecting a baby. What? I've never even had sex. You see what Mary's doing? She is looking at the impossibility of her present circumstances rather than the possibilities of God's presence. She can't find joy because she is too focused on her present difficult situation. And so I ask you this morning, those of you who are in a difficult situation, are you finding it hard to take shelter in God's joy? Because maybe you are too focused on your present difficult circumstances.
Verse 35, the angel replies, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son, and she is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responds, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel leaves her. Well, I like how the angel, uh, Gabriel, gives Mary both an explanation and an example. He, he gives her both, right? He says, here's the explanation. You're going to get pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about the mechanical aspects of a young girl getting pregnant. That, that's God's business. It doesn't matter if you're a virgin. God can do whatever he wants. That's the explanation. He's the God of the impossible. And yes, it's unusual, but here's an example. Here's another situation in which God also has done the impossible. Possible. There's a miracle. Your aunt who is barren and, and pregnant, that's a miracle. Elizabeth and Zechariah are an example to you of what God can do. So an explanation and an example. God can do anything he wants to do. Nothing is impossible for him. Mary's stunned by this, like almost speechless. And some people, when they see Mary's response, they see this, this incredible faith in her response here. May everything you say about me come true. But I don't think that there's faith quite yet. I don't think she's arrived at that place quite yet. I kind of see the rote repetition of a stock phrase here. Mary is saying what she feels like she's supposed to be saying in this kind of a situation. The angel comes along and disrupts her entire life and she's like, may it be whatever, okay, you're, you're in charge, Lord, right? That's what I see. I see shock, like she's still busy processing this news, and she just kind of mumbles the thing she's supposed to mumble. You ever have someone sing in church, and you go up to them afterwards, and you say, oh, your singing was just beautiful today. It touched my heart. And you can tell that they don't know what to say, right? So they just kind of go, oh, to God be the glory, right? It's what we're supposed to say in those moments, right? You ever go to a funeral and you have to, you go and, and greet the, the people that are grieving the loss of a loved ones and you're like, what do I say? I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, my sympathy for your loss, right? It's a stock phrase. My sympathy for your loss. To God be the glory. May everything you say about me come true. We don't always really know what to say and so we just revert back to what we think we're supposed to say. I don't think Mary is living in joy just yet. I think she's got a few growth moments to happen. So let's just keep reading. Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurries to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lives. She enters and she greets Elizabeth there. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaps within her. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She gives out a glad cry, and she exclaims to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby inside my womb jumped for joy. It is bizarre and mysterious and beautiful 
to me that the very first person who actually recognizes the Messiah incarnate while he is still in utero inside of Mary's womb is John the Baptist while he himself is still in utero inside of Elizabeth's womb. Two babies, both yet unborn, who recognize each other. And one of them leaps for joy. I love that. What a powerful passage underlying the Christian truth that human life begins at conception. You'll never convince me that a fetus is not a human being fully deserving of every right to life that every other human being has, endowed with those inalienable rights by their creator because John the baby, John the Baptist, as a baby in the womb, recognizes his Savior, Jesus, and he leaps for joy. Joy. It's been a difficult time for the whole planet. <laughs> like we are in a bleak midwinter, as the song sings. People are starving to death. People are dying in Chinese concentration camps. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their homes. People are catching a disease that didn't even have a name a year ago. People are in lockdown. People are in rebellion against lockdowns. It's just such a difficult time. People are isolated and fearful and angry. And there is not a lot of happiness to be found in our present circumstances. But I ask you, is there joy to discover? In the middle of everything that's going on around us, is there joy? I believe there is. I believe this even though I don't always experience it. I believe in joy even when I am in the throes of depression. I believe in joy even when I receive unfair criticisms. I believe in joy even when government leaders exploit a pandemic to seize power. I believe in joy even when I don't know what tomorrow holds. I believe in joy in the storm. I believe in joy in the pain. I believe in joy in the cancer, in the chaos, in the uncertainty. I believe in joy. So let me take a moment through this passage to just encourage you. It's a simple sermon, really. Not a whole lot of thou shalts and things that you need to do. It's just the truth of Scripture to encourage your heart this morning as you think about joy. Number one, joy can be found in the presence of God. Verse 26 to 29, Mary's going about her life, right? Just minding her own business, trying to live as uprightly and righteously as possible despite the difficult circumstances. Her country is being run by Rome. That's one of the cruelest empires in history. Uh, certainly a lot crueler than any of the empires that, that we happen to be living under. There is no freedom for her. Mary is living with more uncertainty than most of us live with. She doesn't know what poverty awaits the next crop failure. There, there, she doesn't know. There's no banking system that she can rely on. There's no government handouts. There's no social security net. There's no retirement plan. All she has is God. And she is clinging 
to that truth. That God will take care of her. Her joy is found in the presence of God. God's there. In Psalm 73, verse 28, it says, As for me, how good it is to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. Psalm 1611 says, You'll show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And God himself personally promises in Exodus 33, 14, I will personally go with you and I will give you rest. The people of God find joy in the presence of God. In fact, I submit to you that that might be the only place that you can find joy is in the presence of God. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. Tender whispers in the dead of night. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's there, and he isn't silent. He's there, and he understands our pain. He's there, and he will look after us. And he's here. Wherever two or three gather in his name, he's there. And because he's here, there's joy. He brings it with him. When the angel shows up unexpectedly in Mary's life, it underlines and proves the validity of her faith that God is there. There's joy in the presence of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given him your life, if you've trusted in him for your salvation and are trusting in him for your future, then this promise that God gives is a promise that he gives to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Hebrews 13, verse 5. This promise is yours to claim. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. Not just a promise for Shirley. It's a promise for all of us. Your second chance of joy begins when you recognize the presence of God in your life. Secondly, joy is found in, in the gift of Jesus. Gabriel has a specific announcement to make about the presence of God. Something unique is going to happen about God's presence on planet Earth. God is omnipresent at all places, at all times, but something different is about to occur. Jesus is about to be a born. The Messiah is on the way. God's presence in humanity is going to be expressed in a completely new and completely unique way. Emmanuel, God with us, the gift of Jesus. Joy is found in this gift of Jesus that God gives to us. Fairest Lord Jesus, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. See, no matter what else happens in your life, you can know that God loves you and he has an amazing plan for your life because in the fullness of time, he sent his son Jesus to be the savior of the world. He sent his son to save you. Divinity has beaten a path into the human dilemma, looked humanity straight in the eye, and calls us brother, sister, friend. Matthew Parker. 
So your second chance of joy begins recognizing God's presence in your life. It continues to deepen your joy when you consider the reality of the incarnation, the incredible gift that we have in Jesus. Joy is found in the gift of Jesus. The third thing that we can glean from this passage is that joy is found in the unfailing word of God. Now, I must confess to you that, 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 that sometimes I, I read Scripture and, and I read it quickly and I, maybe I read it to like the whole story or the whole book and, and little parts of it just go flying right over my head. And then later sometimes God brings me back to the same Scripture and, and, and I've probably read the Scripture hundreds of times in my life and God just kind of says, Woo, here's a new truth and he just sprinkles it in my life like, like fairy dust or something. It's just amazing how God can take a very familiar passage of Scripture and then teach you something profound from it. Look at verse 37. Maybe I've studied this in other translations. Has verse 37 always been there in Luke chapter 1? Why have I never seen it before? The word of God will never fail. We spent a lot of time this week looking at the Greek theu pan rema. It's an interesting phrase. Maybe some of you are going to do a little bit of looking at what is, what is God's rhema. It's his, it's his voice. It's his promise. It's his utterances. The King James Version says, with God, nothing is impossible. But it's more specific than that. It's his rhema is never going to fail. No word from God will ever fail. That's incredible to me. Are you in a place in your life right now where joy seems non-existent? Are you having difficulty right now with your present circumstances? Does it seem impossible to you on your own to muster up joy? May I suggest to you that you hang your faith on this one hook, this one terrific, tangible, telling, tenacious truth. The word of God will never fail. His words never fail. If you're following Jesus, trusting in him for your salvation, looking to him in hope, obeying him even when it's difficult, let me assure you that you have staked your claim on the one constant in the universe, the one thing that will never change, the one unassailable reality. God's presence is manifested in your life through the incredible gift of Jesus Christ, and this is established and inveterate. It is endorsed and settled forever. It is confirmed and verified and ratified. It is strengthened and fortified on the unshakable truths of God's word, God's promises, God's rhema found in his scripture. God's word never fails. And joy is found in the unfailing word of our God. His promises that he gives to you and me and to all those who love and follow him. So your second chance of joy begins with recognizing God's presence in your life. He's here, right here in your life. Joy is based on the gift of Jesus, the truth of Christmas. Christ in you is your hope of glory. And joy is found in the unfailing words of God, the promises that God makes, particularly in Scripture, that have stood the test of time for thousands upon thousands of years. And so the fourth way that we can experience joy in our life is we really just take those 
truths and we rest on them. We just, we just recognize the incredible blessings that we have because we are children of God. These aren't blessings that we've earned. They're not related to our strength or our intelligence or our good birth. No. Each one of us is blessed because God, our good, good Father, chooses to bless us. Elizabeth says to Mary, God has blessed you. (laughs) And later she says, who am I? Who am I? Why am I so blessed that the mother of God's son has visited me? Elizabeth recognizes blessing. Can I be honest with you? I don't always recognize blessing in my life. I tend to focus on not blessing too often. And it robs me of my joy. It takes it away from me. I took a mental health day this this week on Friday. Just wanted to check out of life. And it was a difficult day for me. I was so trapped in my difficulties, in my fears, in my doubts, in the criticisms of other people. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe COVID has done that for you. It has trapped us in a place of doubt and fear. And yet each one of us is so blessed when we take the time to see it. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I'm blessed with a wife who loves me. After 29 years of my foolishness, and she hasn't given up on me yet, she loves me, and I'm blessed. I'm blessed with four amazing sons. I wouldn't trade them for the world. Sometimes I wish I had daughters, but I love my sons. I'm blessed with the world's best daughter-in-law and the world's cutest grandson. And if you disagree with me on that, I'll fight you. (laughs) No, just kidding. You can disagree if you want. I'm blessed to live in a country where I am free, at least for the time being. It is good to live in Canada. It's a blessing. I'm blessed with an incredible health care system if I get sick, problems and challenges notwithstanding. I'm blessed with a great home, even though the deer come and eat the garden. (laughs) It's a great home. I'm blessed with good health. I should look after it a little bit better, lose a little weight get a little healthier, like Pastor Darren. I'm blessed. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to sing. And so are you. You are blessed if you take the time to see it. Maybe you don't experience all the same blessings that I do. Maybe your blessings are in different areas, and maybe some of the ways that I'm blessed are not ways that you're currently being blessed, but you are blessed if you take the time to see it. 
The God of the universe has stepped off of his throne and come down to earth to be your savior. He has chosen not to hold your sins against you and instead offer you a forgiveness that you didn't earn and you never deserve. (laughs) He's, He's poured out his spirit into your life. He walks with you day by day. He guides you into wisdom and right choices. His presence goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Even in the darkest valleys of your life, he's there. Even in your worst moments, he is a strength and a help and a hope for you and one day soon soon amen lord jesus come he's coming back he's got this amazing eternity prepared for you he's got this heaven that is so great that your pitiful little brain cannot even comprehend how amazing it is you were created for great things my friends you were created for great things god has created you for joy. And so, to live a life of joy is not to depend on happiness or temporary experiences. To live a life of joy is to seek out the better path that God offers and to walk it faithfully. Take heart, my friends. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Your second chance of joy is found in God's presence. Your second chance of joy is found in the incredible gift of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Your second chance of joy is built on the unshakable word of God. Your second chance of joy begins when you recognize just how blessed you really are. Your second chance at joy begins now.